Hello and welcome to the very first episode of That Weekly Penenka Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Whiting, and on today's episode, I'm going to be joined by two of the Penenka's finest journalists in the form of Laura Gates and James Earl. Now then, during this podcast, during this call that we did have, we did have a couple of audio technical difficulties. They're not too bad though, so um, so please stick with us through those as they, they do improve throughout the show it's just at the beginning James decided to touch his microphone silly old James um but yeah sit back relax grab a drink um because when we return we're going to be talking about the Premier League Welcome back to that weekly Penenka podcast. I'm now joined by James Earl and Laura Gates. How are you both today? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. I'm a little bit frustrated with James, who's taken approximately 45 minutes to even get himself onto this podcast. Um, I knew he was a bit of a sort of techophobic, but Jesus, that that just took... That was ridiculous, mate. What are you playing at? I, mean, I actually thought I was quite good at technology, but I think the last... 40 minutes to prove that I should never get near a computer again. Yeah, James Earl, the man who said, I don't want this podcast to take all night. So I said, oh, we'll, we'll start this off at 7 o'clock. It is now 20 to 8, and we are pressing the record button. I'm not really sure, James, where, what went wrong there? Well, nothing much went right, did it? Like From the very first minute, I was late on my laptop. But at the time I got my laptop, that was 10 past 7. So running late there, and then just the camera doesn't want to work on my computer. Me, I, well, not even my iPad, I couldn't get the password right or anything. I was having a nightmare. And then when you did join, I was presented by an image of you hugging a sloth. <laughs> I think the sloth was there merely to cheer me up after the events that had happened prior. Uh, but we're all good now. We're here. We've got, yeah. we've got audio. We've got audio. This was meant to be a serious podcast, but that has soon gone off the rails. So uh, anyway, if you'd just like to both give a little introduction about yourselves, uh, tell tell the listeners who you support and yeah. You're right. Um, yeah, um, I'm Laura. Um, some people might know me from Twitter and doing a little bit of stuff with the Blue Room and the Everton podcast that I contribute to every now and then. Um, obviously, I'm a massive Evertonian. I've been since birth. There was no choice in the matter, even if my dad is a Liverpoolian, but never. He didn't have a sort of say in the matter. My mum was always going to win that argument. Um, I've been a season ticket holder for over 10 plus years now, and I'd say it's been a roller coaster, but there's been many lows and not that many highs, to be honest with you. But yeah, um, I've got an undergraduate degree in media production and recently just finished a master's in sports journalism and uh, not really doing anything through this pandemic because um, I lost my job back in February, but keeping myself busy with podcasts and writing and doing little bits of freelance. Ah, so James, what, what about yourself? So it's sort of similar in terms of education. Um, me and Laura both did the same degrees. I did media and specialised in radio um, in my third year. Um, and 
during that I did some radio shows on the university radio. That's when I started getting into like this sort of thing. And then more so my masters, I was doing podcasts with Laura and Tommy, who's also part of the website. And I'm a Norwich City fan, season ticket holder since twenty eleven. And a bit like Everton really, a lot of a lot of no points. But it's never dull. I'm sure you can agree with that one as a Norwich fan yourself. Yeah, as a as a fellow Norwich fan, it's definitely been a, a roller coaster ride over these last five, ten years, you know, from League One to the Premier League to now being the bottom of the Premier League. Um, but I'd just quickly like to add, considering you have a master's in journalism and have been on podcasts, the, the fact that it's taken you as long as it has for you to join is, is quite outstanding. <laughs> well done. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's mind-boggling. So uh, now that we've got the, the introduction stuff out of the way, should we crack on to our main topic of today's podcast? And that is the Premier League. Now then, uh, Saturdays and Sundays... And week weekdays, it just hasn't been the same without the Premier League. Um, what what have you two been up to to kind of fill that void? Um, I've sort of I've done a mix of things. There've been sort of there've been days when it's been low and what am I even doing in my life without football? Um, but I've been doing a lot of exercise and just getting out and like walking and running and just like just general things to just like fill time like it's not even any of substance really because there's not you're so limited on what you can and can't do as well like it's it's just about making time go faster than you're just sitting there and doing nothing yeah it's it has been really strange i know i have picked up watching the bundesliga i've adopted borussia dortmund as my my go-to team obviously the links with <laughs> norwich uh, just watched Haaland score a, score a late goal to uh, make sure Bayern Munich don't win the Bundesliga today. But um, yeah, it's, it's just been really strange without football. Obviously, working at, at Carrow Road um, when football does return to look, at, to look at Carrow Road empty, but a game, a competitive game still going on within the stadium is going to be really strange. I know they've said about the, the piped-in crowd noise um, and it, it does make a difference for the Bundesliga, but um, I don't know. It's, it's just going to be really weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be very strange. I mean, obviously, we're all used to being at the stadium and watching watching our teams. Um, so to not even be able to do that and have that sort of routine that you've been accustomed to for most of your life is very, very strange indeed. And like, it's it's been strange watching the Bundesliga in terms of like, it almost, you know, when you look at sitcoms and they have canned laughter, it's yeah. like real kind of how important that, that noise can be for a game because I found it quite boring watching the Bundesliga at times. I do think the crowds make make the sort of experience so much better um, just in terms of making it feel... I, I guess it makes you feel as an audience included in that experience. And so it'll be interesting to see how the crowd noise sort of does work. Um, just all feels a little bit fake for me, if I'm honest. Yeah, it'll be really interesting because uh, I think me and James will see with the Norwich games, if we hear On The Ball City about 20, 20 times during one game, 
and that being the only chant, it, it's going to be really obvious that it, well, we, we know it's piped in noise anyway, but um, yeah, it's, it's just going to be really strange. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. So now then, uh, as we all know, the Premier League is only a few days away. It resumes on the 17th of June. Um, and with, with no crowd there, it is all going to be on telly, which is, which is again, a, a first for, for the Premier League. It's going to be broadcast over several, several different channels. It's on Sky Sports, BT Sport, BBC Sport. And believe it or not, it's the first time that, um, that Premier League has been on BBC since 1987 uh, to the 88 season. So that is a that is a lot of years that the BBC and Premier League football has has not been free for people to watch. It technically wouldn't be Premier League, then, would it? Because that's before the inception of yeah, well, yeah, Premier League. It, it yeah, it's um, it has it's pretty pretty astounding that now, kind of due to this pandemic, that football is going to be free again for some people to watch, even though they have got a limited amount of games. Um, so the Premier League does resume on the 17th. And the first game is Aston Villa versus Sheffield United. Um, what, have our, what are our thoughts on, on that game? Who do we, who do we think is going to win that game? Well, obviously, um, Sheffield United had a great, well, they've had a great season so far, haven't they? Um, obviously, those two teams came up from the Championship with us. And Aston have been a bit more similar to us in the sense that they've not got going at all, but they've spent a lot of money, which is what is going to worry them, is they've spent, I'm not sure what the figure is, but they've bought lots of players and they're not impressed. Whereas Sheffield United have kept their team, mainly from the championship, and really, really impressed for me at times. So it's obviously hard to tell how a team is going to perform after three months off, but... um. I definitely tip them to carry on where they left off just because of that sort of team chemistry, team spirit they've shown. And I think bouncing back off something like three months off is something that they'll thrive at because of that togetherness that they've shown before. Yeah, and in in the first fixture, fixture between the two in the Premier League um, in December, Sheffield United did beat Aston Villa at home 2-0. Um, but bizarrely enough, in the last seven games between the two sides, um, Villa have actually come out the the overall victors with five wins in comparison to Sheffield United's one win. And there, there has only been a draw. Um, Aston Villa also have got some key injuries, which I know that they've tried to, tried to recruit for. Wesley will be out of the game and uh, there'll be no Tom Heaton. Obviously, they did bring in... The, uh, the the chap from the Belgium league, Samata, and they also brought in um, Pepe Reina, who kind of he's a bit of an old gunfighter, really, <laughs> who who just refuses to, to kind of leave the game. I think Pepe Reina, but um, for me, I, I think it's going to be a Sheffield United win. I think they're going to carry on with that with that momentum that they had before. Yeah, I think I see it as a sort of um, it could be a potentially pivotal. Um, fixture at either end of the table. So obviously you've got Sheffield who are pushing for that European place. And honestly, like I, I kind of hope they do it. I think it's a great story of how, you know, obviously 
father himself, he's a, he's a Sheffield farmer, isn't he? And the job that he's done in that team from the championship and doing as well as they have in the Premier League has been absolutely fantastic. And it's just been great to watch them as like a team spirit and a team mentality. Whereas like, I think if, if Sheffield, I, I sort of put down Sheffield United to win that game, um, even though they are, they are the away, away team in this fixture. Um, but I, I think it will be close because obviously Villa are going to be fighting for their lives in, in the league. Um, but I think I do think it could be a pivotal sort of fixture for both of them, really. It's the sort of like, you know, as you say, you come off the back of three months out and um, getting that first win over the line is, is, is an important factor, I think, for how you keep on with the rest of it. Because it is almost like starting a league again because you've almost had a longer, well, you have had a longer break than you would through pre-season. So it'll be really interesting, I think, to see how, how that goes in the end. I think a lot of teams are gonna gonna look at this and they're they're gonna start well use this as a fresh start. And if I'm Villa, this is a game that I look at and think that I can win. Um, obviously, I have just said that I, I feel Sheffield United would win one because that would benefit Norwich hugely. <laughs> and uh, as being an unbiased fan, uh, that that is something that that I'd like Sheffield United to win. But uh, I don't know. I think Chris. Chris Wilder has set up really, really well this season for Sheffield United. He's kind of showed, um, kind of shown the opposite to, to Norwich and Villa in a way of how they've adapted using their own style to the league. I know Norwich have tried it, and uh, we, we've got the win against Man City. But apart from that, we haven't really put much of a footprint in the league. Whereas Sheffield United have been, well, they're one of the top teams for a reason at the moment and uh, I feel the same for Villa really that that's kind of why they're at the bottom they've kind of just tried to spend their way up the table and it hasn't really worked so uh, the the next game on Wednesday is uh, a clash of two of the Premier League's largest teams and that is Manchester City versus Arsenal and that is the 8-15 kickoff that's live on on Sky Sports. Um, what's our feelings around that game? Um, obviously, as an Evertonian, there's only one way I want this game to go. Um, obviously, I want City. To, I've put City to win, and I think they will win. Um, they are, obviously, Arsenal have had a few issues sort of this season, and, you know, a bit similar to Everton in the sense that, obviously, managerial changes, different setups, trying different players out and, and never really sticking to a sort of solid starting eleven all the time um, and trying to figure out what works best. I think City have just got so much more sort of squad depth um, and so much more to their arsenal, if you want, if you will. Like, say, the strike force and options are so much better than that of Arsenal's and Arsenal's defensive issues still remain. So I think... City are just generally going to be, you know, a bit more powerful than they are. Yeah, I, I think kind of Arsenal's league position as well at the moment with them being, being just in the top half, kind of, kind of shows how their season's gone. In, in general, obviously they've had those real defensive issues. You know, players like Mustafi, David Luiz, 
just not pulling their weight to the standard that they should be. Um, you know, these are renowned players who, who should be doing better than what they have. Um, Man City did have their own defensive problems, but luckily Fernandinho was there to step in. And the rest of their squad is just so strong um, that, that that kind of nullified those problems. Um, again, I think it's going to be a, a Manchester City win. They have won the last five games with Arsenal by two-plus goals. So I, I just can't see any other result than a, a Man City win. Well, what, what's your thoughts on that, James? Yeah, I'm well, Arsenal have sort of been this issue for years now where they've got potential in their squad, but their defensive um, back line is just not good enough. They leak goals. Um, there's no organisation. They try and solve it by buying all these players like Socrates, um, David Luiz, but it's not working. And when that's happening, they're not going to challenge the top four, in my opinion. Um, that's why they've been drawing a lot of games. I think Man City will relish the chance to play against a weak defence. And I can, I can see them scoring three or four goals, quite frankly. I think Man City could win this one fairly, fairly comfortably. It's really strange with Arsenal because they, they always seem to spend a lot of money on their attacking players and kind of neglect the defence. I know you said they've brought Socrates, but he, he's, he's an ageing centre-half who was, uh, who was not getting in the, the Dortmund team before. And it, it's strange that they haven't gone after younger players for that back line. And the amount of years that, that people have been crying out that Arsenal need a centre-defensive mid... Uh, obviously, there's been that the whole controversy with Xhaka um, earlier on in the season. I, I do feel that kind of Arsenal need to focus themselves again, um, but I, I don't think this will be the game where they get, where they get themselves back on track. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm also going to say a, a Man City win. Now then, on Friday, so we've got a little gap in the games. There's no games on Thursday, but on Friday, there is Norwich City versus Southampton in, in a derelict Carrow Road. I've already <laughs> said my thoughts on, on football grounds being empty and how strange it's going to be. Um, but for me, obviously, I'm going to be biased here. I'm going to say a Norwich win. Um, a really interesting stat that I've read was Timu Puki. Out of the 11 goals that he has scored, seven of them have been at home. Um, obviously, he did have a toe injury um, before the, the lockdown and the break from football, um, which kind of, I, I really noticed, affected his performances. He just didn't look as confident in front of goals since that injury. Hopefully, he's now fully healed. And uh, and he can get back to his his form. We've we've pretty much got a full squad back. And one big key addition to the returning um, City team is Tim Closer. I think his his confidence that he brings and his experience is going to be a huge huge benefit for Norwich coming back in um, back in for this Southampton game. Yeah, I think one of our main issues this season is the amount of changes we've had to make to our team week on week. The back four's never been settled. Um, got Byram, Byram, Aaron's and they're sort of like chopping and changing all the time. 
and then you've got the centre-back partnership, which isn't always the same. Hanley, who I think has actually had a really good season. Um, maybe him and Closer could work, because, well, Godfrey's still quite young, and as, you, as you're coming to the end of the season, you want a partnership that is trusted and professional that can work in a relegation battle. So it might be worth looking at Hanley and Closer, because Zimmerman's not really made his mark in the Premier League yet, in my opinion. But I think, I think Norwich is in a weird way. I think Norwich might relish, well, not relish, but I think they might be better playing about a crowd because they do get a lot of crowd pressure, obviously being a season ticket holder. I don't think um, the, the players can uh, perform to their best with the pressure of the crowd. I don't know if you feel the same way, but sometimes the fans are a bit harsh or... I don't, I don't know. I just get that they might be a little bit better behind closed doors, but that might just be rubbish. I think it's hard to say, really, because when when you look at it, you think of the success that we had last season. You know, games away like Leeds, where we we thrashed Leeds and just dominated. There's a high expectation that was set from last season, um, and I think beating Man City actually. Although it was a great occasion for Norwich, it's probably one of the worst things that could have happened. Well, it got, um, it got the hopes up, didn't it? It got our hopes up that we could beat anyone on our day. And then when you go and lose five one at home to Aston Villa, you're sort of left left a bit confused. That yeah, that game was on my birthday. That Aston Villa game. So what <laughs> what a hell of a birthday present that was. Uh, yeah. So that I agree. You know, I think I think Norwich can... We've always been kind of clawing out victories and kind of just getting through them. It was very much the same last season. We've got a lot of fight in our team. Hopefully, we show that fight again. Um, we, didn't, we, we didn't really have the same level of fight away at Southampton. It, I remember it being a really disappointing performance. And those away performances this season have really hurt us. I remember games like Brighton and Palace and just Burnley. You you were watching it. I was watching the game and it was just demoralising because, you know, the second that we went 1-0 down, it was 2-0. Yeah. And it just wasn't going to claw back. We weren't really going to push on in those games. So hopefully this is a fresh start for us. This is a home game. Um, it's something that we can we can build up on. I'd like to see Ben Godfrey actually in the midfield. I think that he could be. I know he played there for Shrewsbury, um, but I think I think he'd be really good as a replacement for Teddy in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, so. well, the thing with Teddy is he's what been here how many years? Eight, seven, eight, and he's sort of been the same throughout those years. Like he's reliable, fair enough, but he can't really pass the ball very well. And you want your you want your defensive midfielder to be able to do that really um, fair enough he comes out of a screamer once in a while but maybe you're right about Godfrey maybe that would be an option to look at obviously we've not been seeing how they've been training or anything I don't know who's been impressing I know Rancic scored a good free kick against Tottenham in a friendly so I, th- I think Rancic is a player we should use much more because he was so key last season at the end in the um, final few matches, lots of crucial goals. And this season, he's not not really utilised them. So I hope Vandic does step up into that midfield. Um, 
because I think he could be an important player for us. But I, I, I do think the Southampton game is one that we have to win. Like, there's no question about it. If, if, if we lose it, we're probably down. Yeah, so, well, that's, that's enough about Norwich anyway, because uh, we don't really want to turn this into a, a Norwich show. Obviously, there are other teams that we can cover, but we know how dangerous Southampton are. Danny Ings is, is a hell of a player who's having a hell of a season. And I think after that absolute destruction from Leicester, um, Southampton have really pressed on and, and they, look, they look safe. Um, so I, I think it's going to be an interesting game. And then we've got another huge game on the, on the Friday. It's Tottenham versus Manchester United. And it's going to be in the new Tottenham Stadium, obviously, in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And that must be really, really strange for the players walking out into a stadium that size, playing just kind of surrounded by emptiness. Yeah, I think it's going to be quite um, surreal for sort of every, obviously every team, but like, as you say, it's such a big and new stadium and they're sort of used to filling it every week that it is going to, perhaps those bigger stadiums like Tottenham and um, Arsenal are probably going to feel a bit more vast and empty. Um, In terms of sort of result for that game, I think it could be a draw because obviously they're both sort of battling um, I think I think it could be a good game. Hopefully, um, I, if I had to say one team was going to win that fixture, I'd probably go with United. They were looking a bit, they were looking good before the break. Um, obviously, Bruno Fernandez has been doing really well, um, but I think I am going to stick stick with a draw though. Yeah, I think I think a draw is a, a fair prediction for that one. Um, really, both teams haven't got any injuries. Phil Jones is a fringe player nowadays. Who, uh, who I think is more just there for the memes. Each time that I see Phil Jones play, there's a photo on Twitter of him pulling a, a unique face. Um, Tottenham Hotspur have only got Troy Parrott out. Um, of Oh, and, and they've got Deli Alley um, also suspended due to his uh, charge from the FA of improper conduct. Um, so Deli Alley's a, a bigger bigger loss for Tottenham but I feel now Jose Mourinho hasn't got any excuses as Tottenham manager he's got his strikers he's got he's got his full complement as such Harry Kane's back and fit you know human son Bergwijn um it will be telling to see if he can get anything out of Ndombele who I feel has been quite a big disappointment for Spurs this season started off really well but he hasn't he hasn't kind of lived up to his hype. Um, I, I think a draw is a, a very fair result. Manchester United, they have got Pogba. Um, whether that would be a good thing or a bad thing is yet to be seen. Obviously, Pogba's a really controversial character. Um, what's, what's your thoughts on, on Pogba returning to the United fold? Um, I was thinking earlier that him and Fernandes, I think, if if they can both play to their maximum level, I think that could be a partnership that is very important for United. Because they've, they've not had that for a few years, a proper midfield partnership. And when they play, you've seen Pogba at the World Cup, you've seen him play his best for Juventus. We all know he's a good player, but he's just not shown it enough for United. But maybe having Fernandes there is best for him. Maybe Fernandes can get the best out of Pogba. 
And I, I think the Tottenham game, I think that's one that they're going to win. I think you've seen Rashford doing so many good things recently. I think he'll be raring to go. I think that's a game that I think you should put Rashford in your fantasy football team, actually. I can see him doing really well between now and the end of the season. I think United are going to do very well, actually, um, and pick up a lot more points. Tottenham, I'm not too sure on, on the Mourinho. They've had some strange results there, obviously. They beat Man City, didn't they? But then they lost to us in the Cup. They just don't... I don't think Mourinho is the right manager for them. I'm not sure what you think about that, but I think United will definitely win. I think I think Mourinho has kind of had his day. He's clutching at straws. Um, he's, his style of football and his approach is very dated now. And uh, I don't know. I think he, he was probably better as a pundit. If I'm honest, I think he's kind of lost that that spark that he once had. Um, but yeah, like like you said about Marcus Rashford, he over this lockdown, he's someone who's really shown his true true uh, true personality and, and how good of a person he is. He's done many a good deed, um, and and hopefully he can kind of start kicking on with his career and reaching the levels that people have have said that he can reach and being put into that bracket similar to Mbappe and Haaland. But I, I think it's it's just really going to be a, a focal point for him to, to kind of get to that level. And I think, think we'll see that in the next year and a half. So that's, that's the Friday games covered. Um, we're quickly just going to cover the Saturday games and the Sunday games. So on Saturday, we have got Watford-Leicester. Um, it's, it's it's another quite evenly matched game. Obviously, Watford are at the bottom of the table, but they are coming off the back of a few good results. Obviously, they had that win. Um, they had that win against Liverpool a few games prior, um, and you know that that's huge. They've I think they've really got a good outlet in Saar, um, mm. Watford. He's a, he's a young player with a lot of pace, a lot of energy. Um, who is dangerous. And Watford have always kind of had those those dangerous midfield players like Pereira. Will Hughes is very technically good. Um, and then obviously you have you have got Leicester, who have got James Madison, Vardy. Um, Leicester as well are a, a team that haven't really got that many injuries. They've got Ricardo Pereira, who is quite a big one. Um as he he is a top class right back, Pereira. He's someone that, that I think is is done really well for for Leicester. Um, how, how do you see that game panning out, Laura? Um, I think it, I, I, I'm the same as you. I do think it'll be quite closely contested, but I do think that Leicester will just sort of get the edge over over Watford. Um, they are a better side in general. They obviously Watford are sort of down the bottom. I think Watford will be safe now. I think they will be. Um, I think they've got a good enough team to be safe. But I do think, I think it will be close. And I have, I've sort of gone for like 2-1 Leicester. I think they've just, they've just got that edge. I think like you say, their, their central midfield is solid. Um, they've got obviously the options with Vardy up top. And they, they seem to be relatively, relatively solid, to be honest with you. I think, I think they'll, They'll take the edge over Watford. Yeah, I think Salunchu's been a, a superb signing for them. Oh yeah, he's, I think 
I think he's been better than than Harry Maguire, especially when you think about the money that they they've um, obviously got for Maguire from United. That deal has has just worked off fantastically well for them. Um, I didn't really, I couldn't really think of anyone they were going to sort of get in. And I was thinking, oh god, you know, they might end up sort of having some second-rate centre-back that's not really going to come in and do a decent job. But he, he's been fantastic, and obviously they've made a few other signings throughout the team that have also sort of contributed and pushed them on a little bit. So I think I, I, overall, I think they'll be sound. And obviously, uh, Brendan Rodgers is a decent manager as well. I think, I think he'll get he'll get them going again next season. Yeah, yeah. Le- Leicester have had a very good season. Um, that win over Southampton, I remember watching that game and it was just pure destruction. Um, le- I I think Leicester are just going to scrape this one. I think it's going to be 2-1 Leicester. Um, James, what, what's, your, what's your opinions on this match? Um, I think Watford are one of those teams, obviously they beat Liverpool 3-0, but I don't know why they struggled so much from the start of the season. They, they've had a good squad for a few years now. Um, but they've gone through managers like they're going out of fashion. It's just ridiculous. But I, they just need to stick with the manager and just give them a couple of years to build. And I think they could be a good top-half team. Because they have got the players there. They've got Decor and they've got Pereira. Um, Saar, as you mentioned, is a good player. They've got, they've got a good, strong squad. And... I'm not sure how they're going to fare against Leicester because obviously you mentioned Pereira's out injured for Leicester, who's quite a key right back, probably one of the best in the league. Um, but I think Leicester, they've been faltering a bit before lockdown, haven't they? They lost to Norwich at Carrow Road and they hadn't really been hitting those um, early levels that they were hitting, whereas Watford were getting those wins, beating Liverpool. So I think it'll be an interesting match and I could see Watford getting a result here, maybe a draw. Um, it's quite hard to predict, obviously. You've not seen them play for three months. But I think Watford are going to kick on and be a stronger team. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got something. Yeah, yeah. that I, I could see this one going either way. Personally, I am leaning towards Leicester. Um, but I, I could really see this one being a close, close game. Um, then the next game on Saturday is uh, Brighton. It's their first game. Uh, and it's against Arsenal. So, two games in quick succession for Arsenal. Um, looking at this, I, I, it does make you kind of wonder how balanced the fixture list is. Um, because, you know, you, you'd think perhaps Aston Villa would have their game on a Saturday. Uh, same with... Same with um, Sheffield United or a Man City. It seems that they have put Arsenal that day ahead, which could could put them at a disadvantage. Obviously, with a lot of stuff of, of rest and of fitness and players perhaps not even being up to the fitness level that they were before the lockdown, it could, could have a big impact on that game. Um, personally, I think Arsenal will bounce back. Say so if they do lose to City, I think they'll bounce back and probably beat Brighton. Um, I think they are a stronger side in general. Although Brighton are well organised, they seem to be sort of not very like they're just inoffensive. They're there. They they're solid. They do a job. Not very high scoring sort of games. They they sort of produce. But I do think Arsenal. Arsenal will. I think it will probably come off the back of them losing to Manchester City, and I think they 
I'll be there. I think that'll be Arsenal's first win of the uh, resumption of the Premier League. Yeah, I, I, I also think that Arsenal will win. I think there'll be quite a lot of Arsenal changes in the side. Um, I think perhaps you won't see players like Martinelli, Martinelli in the Man City game. Um, I think they'll probably feature here, um, those kind of players. Um, but I, I can I can really only see a, an Arsenal win or, or possibly a draw. I don't think it's going to be an emphatic win by Arsenal. Um, but but I, I do think they'll scrape through. So the so we've got two games on Saturday left. Um, the first one is also on Sky Sports. That's West Ham versus Wolves. Um, West Ham, they're surprisingly struggling at the bottom of the table. Um, whereas whereas Wolves are kind of mid table towards the top top half. Um where where do you see this one going? Because I, I look at the West Ham team and I just think there's quite a lot of good players in there. But I feel one of their main problems is Mark Noble. Yeah, yeah I think he's in the team now just because he's been a, a club servant. I think when you've been there that long, you sort of just automatically play every match. Because it's, it's part of the furniture. Yeah, right. like I, I look at Noble and I compare him a lot to you, James, actually. When... Uh, <laughs> When Erpingham would trot you out, it's a bit like, oh, we're, we're giving 25 minutes, a bit of a charity. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, perhaps perhaps they need a newer model of Mark Noble or perhaps Erpingham need a new James Earl. I think the issue of West Ham is they're quite a disjointed team if you look at their lineup. Don't Don't you think there's no real identity for their team? Whereas Wolves you can look at and you think, OK, they've got standout players. They've got Jimenez. He's a great striker. They've got Neves, um, great goalkeeper in Patricia as well. And that, that Wolves team is, I think last season they kept the starting eleven the same, like so often. It was the same formation, the same players, and that's why they've done so well. But West Ham, they just don't seem to click as a team. So I think Wolves will win this one. Yeah. I, I feel the, the same. I think the consistency. <coughs> consistency of Wolves and as you say they've got some top players in that team I think they were West Ham are very poor um, I, can, I don't think West Ham have, are going to go down necessarily they could but I, don't, I think there's worse teams unfortunately um, but I think I think Wolves will win this one as well I, they, they're just a lot stronger than West Ham yeah yeah I think Wolves are, are your safe bet on this one they've got some very good players We'll be interested to see how Haller does for West Ham. Um, West Ham, they've only got one injury, and that is Angelo Albonner. And uh, according to the website that I'm currently looking at, he's a 50% chance of of playing anyway. Um, Wolves, Wolves have got no injuries. So I think a full-strength Wolves team. Um, Santos is very good at motivating them. They have a very good... Um, Portuguese core to their team and uh, I, I think that's really what's going to push them through in this game they're, they're going to do well in this one and then the, the last game of Saturday is at quarter to eight and it is the return of football on BBC um, I believe this one's going to be on BBC One and unfortunately it's not the most thrilling game on paper it's Bournemouth versus Crystal Palace 
it's one of them, you know, sort of like throughout lockdown of being like, oh, do you know what? I'd take a Sunday of Bournemouth the Palace. It just, you know, just to have football back again. And you know what? It's going to get to that fixture, and I'm going to be like, I have not missed these games. I think it's going to be very boring, non-dramatic, sort of scrappy. So I, I, I hate it when Everton go down to the Vitality and play at Bournemouth. I hate it. There's always some kind of ridiculousness going on. Um, but I, 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 I could see Bournemouth scraping a 1-0 win. Palace, I think they're stronger at home. And I just, yeah. Although, there's a case maybe you could say that does home form kind of go out of the window a little bit? I don't know. Obviously, players are sort of used to the surroundings when they're at their home um, fixtures. But I just, I think, yeah, Bournemouth might just edge it. I think yeah. it's got nil-nil written all over it, actually. But I so do I. It's going to be so dull, isn't it? Let's and I honest. think that's, that's part of the reason why it's been assigned to the BBC. <laughs> they're yeah. just... It's excitement. What can we give away for free that's going to be non-offensive, non-exciting, but there's a bit of risk in it? And that risk there is Roy Hodgson. <laughs> With this whole coronavirus thing, I'm, I'm scared for Roy. Ah, they, They'll protect him at all costs. He'll have some decent PPE, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he'll have his little face well, mask on. He's been fantastic for Palace, so you know they'll, they'll, they'll do everything for old Roy. Yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. they'll give him the club shop similar to uh, to how Pulis. Now, if Pulis was managing in the Premier League, that would be something. He would have club PPE on over his tracksuit. <laughs> uh, that would be, yeah, I I think nil nil. You know, it, yeah. now that I've said that, it's probably going to be a four four. Like three, oh, that's something we haven't considered. VAR. Oh, no. <laughs> now then, I saw a, a controversial goal ruled out in the Dortmund game today. Um, Guerrero, it, it hit the upper shoulder, like the joint between his shoulder and his arm, and it wasn't given. I think I saw this on Twitter. Was he on the floor or was he... So the ball, no, the ball ballooned up. It kind of hit his shoulder Um I don't know why I'm tapping my shoulder because uh, <laughs> the listeners can't see that. But um, yeah, well, his not, shoulder. Is he if he's not leading with the shoulder? Then it's it's all so ambiguous these days anyway. But I'm not a fan of VAR at all uh, for obvious reasons. Um, that United game at Goodison just before the lockdown. Um, need I say more? So that, uh, that, well, we've now spoken about the Saturday games, Sunday. Sunday is a huge, huge day. Um, I'm going to skip past the two prior games because I feel that this game, we'll, we'll get back to those, but I feel that this game is very important. And it is at Goodison Park at seven o'clock, live on Sky Sports, Everton versus Liverpool. Laura, how are, you, how are you feeling about that one? I, I don't think I can sum it up in words, to be honest with you. I never, ever look forward to a Merseyside derby. Um, even less so now, given the injury news this week. Um, we scraped a few of the under-23s together 
Um, the lads had a inter-squad uh, 11 side game today at Goodison. Um, obviously, it's hard to even gauge from that how things have sort of gone because it's not even a sort of game against another team where you can sort of weigh up um, how players are doing and how they're coping and whatnot. But um, dreading it, um, in my view, I... I want, like, I want to say I don't care, but at the same time, like, I care because I always care. In yeah. A sense, um, the league now, for me, has lost any bit of integrity, all kinds of new rules, more substitutes. Just, it just seems like, it, well, it doesn't seem like we know it's basically because of the money we've got to get this season finished. Um, we all know that this title is Liverpool's. There's sort of no ifs or buts about that they're winning the league and I'm, I've made my peace with that a long time ago now they have been the best side no one's come close to them um, obviously nearly going unbeaten there's you know I'm, I do I, I'd like to be optimistic and say that Everton will win or even get a draw out of it um, I do think we'll lose I think we will score but I do think we will lose um, I'd like to see us put up the up some kind of fight and some kind of whatever. But I think the thing with that, the, the interesting thing with Everton is sort of, is we saw it before um, at the back end of last season, nothing left to play for, no pressure on us whatsoever. And we ended up banging out a load of decent results. And I think maybe that could happen again here. Um, pressure's off, no fans um, on their backs. Um, Goodison can be quite a toxic environment um, as far as the fans are concerned. As soon as one thing sort of goes wrong, the fans are on your back straight away. And I think without that, they may well thrive a little bit. I, I, I just don't know. Um, it's just the fact that, that, that the injury list appears to be never ending and growing by the day. Um, so I think it is going to be a case of, you know what, let some of the younger lads play, get them some experience and just, they might be a bit more sort of free sort of free with it, with their, with their playing. They might just play with no fear. I don't know. It would, it would be nice to see. Um, so, yeah, I do think we will, we will lose that fixture, unfortunately. And like you said about the injury list, not only is it growing, it's growing with key players in your squad. Um, yep. You've got Fabian Delph. He's only, there's a 50% chance he could return. You've would got... You a key player, though, that's the question. Sorry? I I wouldn't class Fabian Delph himself as a as a key player, but obviously no. But I I would class the next one more as a key player, which is Andre Gomez. Yeah, I think he. They've said he had a bit of a knock, and he could be sort of a fifty-fifty whether he's going to play or not. Um, I hope he is fit to play. Um, whether they risk him or not, I don't know whether that's a good thing because obviously it's only one game. Um, but we've got nothing to play for anyway, so is it worth risking him off the back of a, a long-term injury that he's just got, come back from? So, you know. And then you've got Gambian. I may have pronounced that incorrectly. Jabamin. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got Jabamin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, all right, I'll, I'll let you pronounce uh, Jabamin's name from now on. Um, and you've also got Yerry Mina and Walcott who are out. 
obviously Yerry Mina will be a miss. Um, we've kind of been similar in the sense of Arsenal in terms of that back line um, with just inconsistencies and injuries and chopping and changing. Um, I do really like Yerry Mina, although I'd, Mason Holgate is preferred for me personally. Um, yeah, I think it's going to it might be an interesting team we see um, for the Merseyside derby. Kind of stick stick a few players in and hope for the best, really. Which you're bamming, like yeah, it's just awful look. Um, obviously, I think he's played a total of just over thirty odd minutes for Everton um, since signing. Um, obviously, we lost Garner Gay, and we kind of pinned all hopes on him to be that replacement, but it's yet to be seen. And whether or not he can sort of bounce back mentally and physically from a season. He's had a season-ending injury twice in one season. I don't know if that's <laughs> ever been done before. Yeah, I remember there being quite a lot of hype around him as well when he joined. So you've got, you've got a feel for the lad. He, he just has had a rough start to his career at Everton. Hopefully he gets, hopefully he gets over these injuries and he can press on. Um, but I think everyone's in in, agree, in agreement here that, that Liverpool are going to take the three points. And then the other games that we do have that we will quickly cover on Sunday are Newcastle, Sheffield United. Newcastle, obviously, I'm very surprised that this very controversial takeover has not happened yet. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about the takeover. All I know is that I hate Mike Ashley, um, <laughs> and uh, I really I'd like to see anyone make money out of that club apart from him. But <laughs> it is very controversial. Personally, I don't like Newcastle. Full stop. I wouldn't really. I I, I think the problem is with a lot of clubs is that, especially with the fact where the fan base is concerned, is that they believe that money is going to solve all of your problems, and obviously. Take it from me, as an Evertonian, it doesn't just happen. Because we have spent upwards of 400 million and, and we're mid-table and we're still building and gone through that whole managerial rigmarole of just trying to fit. I think we are in a good position now, obviously, with Carlo. But I think, it is, obviously, this controversial takeover for Newcastle, I don't think it is going to end their issues just like that. And I think... Um, if it does happen, the fans are probably well within their rights to be excited. Um, but it obviously is very controversial. And I've, whether or not it happens is another thing. Obviously, there's so many sort of issues outstanding in terms of like where the Premier League fit with it and the FA, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think we'll see. That game, I think, will, I think the game will be close itself. I've gone with a draw, I think. Yeah, yeah, I've gone with 1-1 with one, one myself. And uh, then the, the last game that we're going to cover today is Aston Villa-Chelsea. And uh, it's Chelsea's first game since the lockdown. Um, it's not Aston Villa's. Obviously, they did play on the 17th against Sheffield United. Chelsea have been quite busy in, in these last few weeks with transfers, which might show that kind of Frank Lampard is looking to move away from his, his youth philosophy. Perhaps he's lost faith in in Tammy Abraham, and he's lost faith in a couple of those young players. He Obviously, Timo Werner has, has pretty much been linked. I'm still quite quite surprised that that transfer hasn't been confirmed, unless there are some 
some hiccups there and perhaps Timo himself doesn't want to join. Um, Zajcek, they've got him from, uh, from Ajax. And they've also been linked with uh, Kai Havertz. Um, so, I don't know. I feel Chelsea, Chelsea aren't, aren't going to tear up any trees for the rest of this, this season. I think they're just going to be content with finishing around that European spot. I think that they'll feel as long as they can finish there, that they'll still be able to attract the calibre of players. And they're very much going to be trying to, to make up for lost time with these signings. Yeah, I think Chelsea, I think Chelsea, sorry. Um, no, I think they need to, obviously they've been having their youth players all, se- all season because of their transfer ban. I think they've done all right, to be honest. But they need to get back to being the Chelsea that they were, the big players, obviously, they've had hazards in the past. But they want to get back up to that level again and start start challenging at the top rather than just being content with 4 4 because. Chelsea are a team that should be winning. They should be winning Premier League titles. And I think Lampard could build that if he's given time and money. Um, obviously, they've had Abraham up front of the season, who's he's done all right, but they need a world-class striker, which I think they'll be getting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I do think Chelsea will, will scrape this one out at 2-1. I think Grealish could, could be key in this game for Villa. Um, perhaps get himself a goal. He he has kind of really come out as a talisman for the team this year. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much a wrap for for us talking about all the games. How do we all feel about the Premier League being back? Um, Laura, you did mention that, that you feel it is just kind of money motivated um, in regards to the sponsorship deals and that's kind of why they've pushed it back through. Yeah, I think obviously... Um... Clubs have an obligation financially to sort of play out the remaining games. Um, I don't think it was ever going to be as simple as null and voiding um, or just ending the season. I think they had to sort of finish it in some regard. Um, I'm like, I, I miss it and I want it back to some extent, but I'm also like, there's still, you know, implications of the coronavirus, what happens if a player or manager or whatnot get, you know, contracts the virus and do they just, does that mean one, if say if it's a key player for so-and-so, how, how's, how do they go moving forward? Does that, do they just have to play on without that player? Do they just have to deal with it? Or do we go back to this issue of, well, we met, we're going to have to null and void the season. At what point does sort of human life get put first in this situation? Um, it's very difficult to sort of give an answer on any of it, which is obviously why those at the top level of the game have had such a difficulty in trying to reach a decision. Um, obviously, it's working so far over in the Bundesliga, um, albeit in very weird sort of circumstances. I think it is going to be very, very um, in the coming weeks to sort of watch it. Obviously, as the three of us are so used to, Sort of being there as a, as fans, it is going to be it's it's going to be a little bit disappointing watching it on the TV. Um, obviously, going into next season, we don't know when we could be back there anyway. Um, so I think it's just going to be very surreal at the moment. Life itself is very surreal. I I feel like football for me is sort of 
very much on the back burner in life. There's so many other things going on in the world and even in the UK right now with all the protests and whatnot. Um, it's just hard to sort of see why football is important, really. Um, I don't know how you guys sort of see it or how you feel. Yeah, I, I for, for a fact, feel that, that it is being forced through literally for the money. Um, you're saying at what point is human life valued in that? And I think, I think all they see is money. Uh, you know, you, you look at how football is monetized nowadays. You look at image rights, you look at TV deals, you look at all these different things, kit sponsors, stuff like, I read, read earlier that Ronaldo has become the first billion pound player, like his worth, his personal worth, is now worth a billion pounds. And you think mm. back in the, Back in the 70s, back in the 80s, when football had that raw passion, when it meant a bit more. Yeah, it's very frustrating. I think um, it's not really for the love of it anymore. And I think when you look at how the lower leagues and the women's league have sort of ended, it's very disappointing because how can you say that, you know, for the Premier League to go ahead, but just end the others in such a way? I just, I don't know how you can sort of come to that that decision. And obviously it is on the back of TV rights and TV deals and sponsorships because the Premier League is such a bigger monopoly than any anything else in the rest of the world, to be honest with you. So it, it very much is um, about the money. Um, and I think the other thing people often forget, and I mentioned it in one of the articles we've uploaded, is that these players are human too. And yeah. obviously we've already had a few, obviously most notably Troy Deeney of Watford, um, who've come out and said they aren't necessarily comfortable. I know he sort of agreed to play in now, but his how much of that will play on his mind and the mind of others? Obviously, they're very keen to get back playing the sport that they love and, and, and it is their job at the end of the day. But I think there probably are other players that are concerned that haven't come out because those that have spoken out have been absolutely obliterated on social media. They've been ridiculed, haven't they? And when when you look at Troy Deeney, his he had a very very valid reason behind his yeah. reason. And I don't know, James. I think it's yeah. I think it's going to be. I'm trying to get excited, but I can't. I don't know if you're finding that, but I generally don't care that it's going map because it's not the same. It's not the same form. We're not going to be able to go to the matches. It feels weird quite sterile, it. doesn't it? Yeah. I it's... honestly don't really care what happens between the... I'll try and get excited if we're playing, but I won't be able to get the same emotion. And I think as well, with people not in the UK not being able to see each other freely, that takes away the, the social aspect, which I know you alluded to in your article, James, about just yeah. going, having a pie, having a pint. Exactly. You know, just... The football is isn't just a game um when when the game's going on it's a day it's a day out an experience yeah and obviously it's nice to have the game back but you you do sit there and you do question the human side to it like how much have people really been considered in this football clubs have laid off their staff furloughed them haven't cut players wages Lower leagues have been completely forgotten about. 
they've been abandoned. They've literally just been like, well, we don't really care if you don't survive. Our Premier League is our big main breadwinner as such. That's really yeah. sad. Especially it's all about the you, money, like Laura said. Especially when you know some of these big Premier League clubs could help those clubs out. Mm. You think Bolton, a club like Bolton, should not have gone down the route that they have. That was before the coronavirus. Yeah, it's a shame, really. But um, I'm, you know, I, I don't know how easy it, it it would be for. And it's not easy once you start. So you know, you you slip down those leagues, and and that's where the problems lie. Then financially, if you're not getting out of League One, League Two, and then Championship, you you and you just keep slipping back and back. It, it becomes a, a never-ending issue almost. So, I think that's going to be a wrap now for our very first episode. I'd like to thank Laura and James for coming on the show. Next week, we are going to be doing our kind of review and just a quick overlook of the games that have happened in the Premier League. Um, we're also going to touch on some other subjects. If you've, ha- if you've got any subjects you'd like us to talk about, if you'd like to submit them to our email address, which is thepanenkawrites at gmail.com um, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore the Penenka um, so yeah feel free to send in your questions or any topics you'd like us to uh, to talk about but yeah once again thank you very much to James and Laura thank you it's been a pleasure um, just before I go make sure you read articles on my website um, I know the one oh, we were talking about predictions now. Mikey, Mikey Garner's got a really good prediction article. Uh, well, a couple of them, actually, um, where he touches on the injuries and how he thinks they're going to fare in the rest of the season. So definitely give that a read. Oh, James, do you know what? You stole my thunder then. That was literally <laughs> the, the next thing that I was going to say. But you're a chip off the old block, aren't you? Um, <laughs> But yeah, once again, thank you very much for listening. Remember to log on to our website, thepanenka.co.uk, for the latest articles. You'll also be able to see the latest podcasts up there. But yeah, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.